all over the building rest on your feet all over this building lift those hands lift them lift them lift them hallelujah as we continue to play that song really softly how many of you love the Lord with all of your heart ah God I love you God I love you with all of my heart you're my king I bless you and I praise you oh God Oh, forever. Let's worship the Lord. God, you're my king. You're my king. Yeah. Forever. Oh, Lord. Forever. Oh, one more time. Oh, Tell the Lord, thank you. Come on and shout hallelujah. Come on and shout hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. At this time, it is time for us to receive the word of the Lord. We have a anointed preacher with us on tonight. And we are so grateful for the angel of this house. Won't you help me honor the man of God? that labors in the vineyard for you. It is not lost on me, Pastor Mosley, that my blessings are directly connected to your anointing. And because of that, I honor you, man of God, for all that you are and all that you will do. At this time, why don't you receive the greatest pastor in the world, the Pastor Arthur F. Mosley. Let's receive him with a good God bless you. Hallelujah. Now put those hands together for Jesus and praise him like you're crazy about him. Come on, give him a praise that says, I love you, I love you, and I bless you. Before you take your seats, how many of you can honestly say the Lord is good to you? Oh, you almost persuaded me. I mean, come on. How many of you can honestly say you know for yourself the Lord is good to you? If you know he's good to you, just scream for him. Hey! Now before you take your seats, go to one or two people and tell them, the reason I know he's good, and then you finish the statement. Come on, tell them, I know he's good. Come on, tell somebody, you telling your testimony. Oh yes, I know he's good. Woke me up this morning. I know he's good. Kept sickness and disease off my body. I know he's good. Kept me out of accidents and kept me from hurt, harm, and danger. Somebody shout, I know he's good. I tell somebody, break time. All right, y'all take your seat. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm taking a break. I'm going to remind the devil as soon as he show up. I'm on break. <laughs> Hallelujah. Put those hands together again and just uh, celebrate our God who is so good to us. Amen. Tonight we have a guest with us who's going to share the word of the Lord. Brother Goodwin, I want you to know I got your message. And it won't be long. Amen. Amen. We thank God for all of our guests who are here with us tonight. Am I right, Cathedral? Aren't we glad that men and women taking time to come and be with us tonight to share in this time of praise and worship?
Tonight with us is Elijah L. Hill, who's the president and founder of the Charles H. Mason and Lizzie Robinson Museum. He is also the president of the National Museum of African American Religions. Prophet Hill has a master's in business administration and a master in educational technology. He was a prophetic advisor for 15 years to three former presiding bishops in the Church of God in Christ. Bishop L.H. Ford, Bishop C.D. Owens, and Bishop G.E. Patterson. He is a 20-year historian and scholar of the Church of God in Christ. Elijah Hill has been preaching the gospel for over 34 years and is the author of seven books. And he has wonderful, wonderful material that has helped to preserve the legacy and story of the Church of God in Christ. He has been a contributing writer for the YPWW, Young People's Willing Workers Topics, for the International Church of God in Christ Publishing Company. He has also served as a contributing writer for the Whole Truth Magazine. Elijah Hill is an ordained elder and a member of Grace Covenant Church of God in Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. And we are honored and glad that he and his wife are here with us, us on tonight. And I believe that God is going to give us a word through his servant. Just stretch your hand this way towards Elder Hill and say, Lord, use him to speak a word to my spirit on tonight. Come on and receive the music ministry as they come. Come on, show them some love. The next voice we will hear will be that of Elder Hill and we all shall rest on our feet and receive the man of God.
weakness in your body. Praise the Lord. Everyone, let's bow our heads to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father. Lord, we praise you right now. Lord, for every individual, Father, that is here in your presence. Father, we ask right now that you would just give us, Father, that anointing, God, that makes preaching easy. Lord, we ask right now that you would just bless us. Lord, anoint these lips of clay, Father, that we may be able to speak a word to these, your people, tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, don't let us leave this place, Father, without hearing from you. Father, we thank you tonight, and we ask, Lord, for your grace. We ask for your strength, God, as we go forth, Lord, to share a word with your people. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I just uh, give an honor to the uh, presence of the Lord that exudes this place. Praise the Lord. I've enjoyed uh, you, Cathedral of Faith. Praise the Lord. I also thank God for uh, the set man of this house. Praise the Lord. You know... I count it an honor and a privilege uh, for this man to allow me the opportunity to grace your presence. Uh, Dr. Mosby, is uh, I've observed him and known him for a while, and he's such a classic act as a preacher, and he has a powerful exegesis ministry and such a great theologian. And also, he's a sermonologist. I want y'all give him a big hand. He, everybody know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We thank God for you, man of God. Thank God for your ministry. I've always enjoyed him. We both uh, teach in the National Church, and he, he has such a, uh, an anointing. Praise the Lord that just permeates the convention center on the subject of prayer. And it just always has blessed me. His ministry has always blessed me. Praise the Lord. Giving honor also to respect to the first lady of the house uh, in her absence. Praise the Lord. And uh, thank God for my first lady, uh, Kathy Hill. Just stand. Just <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's my lovely wife and my nightingale. And uh, praise the Lord. We thank God for her. Praise the Lord. Um, praise the Lord. In our opening text, Pastor, I think when I text you the, the title, uh, I said Generation Y, but I meant Generation Z. <laughs> but that's okay. Praise the Lord. Take someone by the hand and repeat after me the thought for tonight. We're going to be, you know, mindful of time and what have you. We know this is a Sunday night. Praise the Lord. But repeat after me the thought for tonight. Generation Z. The, the baby, boomers, baby boomers, Goliath Slayers. Now say that again. Generation, Generation Z. Z. The, baby the baby boomers, Goliath Slayers. Goliath Slayers. 
Praise the Lord. Our opening verse is going to come out of the book of Exodus, the first chapter and the sixth verse of scripture. Praise the Lord. Exodus 1 and 6. Have you any rivers that you think are uncrossable? And have you any mountains that you cannot tunnel through? But God specializes in things that are impossible, and he can do what none of the power, Holy Ghost, y'all remember when the mother used to say that, power can do praise the lord i'd be sitting in the corner one of those mothers shout out have you any afflictions that you think are incurable in spite of all the doctor can do but God specializes in things that are impossible and he can do what none of the power, Holy Ghost power can do praise the name of the lord praise the lord in our opening verse will be coming from the book of exodus 1 and 6. the title is generation z praise the lord the baby boomers goliath slayers uh, exodus 1 and 6 and it says a very familiar passage of scripture and joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation praise the Lord I'll repeat that again and Joseph died and all his brethren comma and all that generation the title is generation Z the baby boomers, Goliath slayers. I also want to turn to Judges 2 and 10. Judges, the second chapter in the 10th verse, just one verse. Judges 2 and 10, it reads as thus. And also, all that were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them which knew not God repeat that again Judges 2 and 10 and also all that were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them which knew not God praise the Lord in looking at this particular <clears throat> title I just wanted to um, take a look at the definition of generation to kind of expand upon what we're um, going to be saying tonight in the uh, Collegiate Dictionary, it says, it states, a generation is all the people 
living at the time or approximately the same age. It's all the people living at the time or approximately around the same age. In the Hebrew, uh, when we read in the earlier scripture in Exodus, when it mentioned the word generation, the Hebrew word door means generation translated in the Hebrew. It means a period or an age when it talked about Joseph's generation had gone. It's a period, an age, a period of time. Those living during a period that is characterized by a certain quality and temperament. Praise the Lord. Whatever generation that is, there's a certain uh, characteristic that patterns itself after that particular generation. Praise the Lord. In the American Standard Dictionary, it says all the people living at the same time, a generation, or approximately the same age, around the same age or period, Praise the Lord. And in looking at the study of generation, I think God, I don't know, he has a way about himself that he's very cognizant of generations. If you notice in the scripture that a lot of times God will refer to generations when he's referring to a people. Praise the Lord. Now, I said God in his mind. If you look through the lens of Jehovah Nissi and Jehovah Jireh, he sometimes, you know, looks at things a little different than we do. So, but when he looks at humanity and looks at a people in an era, he refers to generations. So, this is why you'll see the reference of generation. Praise the Lord. When it talked about how that when the Lord wanted to exude judgment against the people, he said, I'll visit the iniquity of the fathers on the next generation. See, God, when he looks through the lens, his lenses see a little different. So when he looks at humanity, he looks at the period and he looks at the age of the people. Praise the Lord. The Lord, he noticed in his, the reason why God does this is because God is looking through the lens of perspective and relevance and how in which he can not take away the choices of mankind during their, his, their uh, historical uh, genealogical path. He doesn't want to take away from that. So what he does is he studies the generation so he can see how to interweave his will. Praise the Lord. So the Lord understood Noah's generation. The Lord understood the relevance of Joseph's generation. The Lord understood the generation in the verse we just read in Judges. This is a generation that knows not God. So when God observes the people, in humanity, he, he sees it through the lens of generation. And what is the type, the personality, the characteristic of this generation that's coming? Praise the Lord. So uh, the title is uh, Generation Z, the baby boomers, Goliath Slayer. That's why we're using generation. Praise the Lord. But then to just highlight and uh, a little bit on Generation Z to give you an idea. Usually in the secular study of uh, generations from an academic direction, uh, every generation has a certain theme of its type and its personality and its characteristic. Now, the baby boomers, uh, you know, they came, you know, between the, you know, the 50s and in between the 60s and that kind of thing. But what happens is, as you, then you have generation X, Y, and then Z that proceeds the baby boomers. Now, Z is the generation that's the youngest generation that's coming. Z is the youngest generation that's coming. So they're, they're uh, around 2,000, and, and then the babies that's being born. 
So they're the up and coming generation. You say, preacher, why are you spending time on generation? Because God spends time on generation. Praise the Lord. And so to tell you a little bit on a secular side, I was reading uh, a quote from uh, Annalise Walker from the Herald Sun, February 25th, 2008. And she, she shares a little enlightenment on Generation Z because we're going to kind of uh, focus on them. And she said, they may come at the end of the alphabet, but they'll soon be at the forefront of tackling the most complex problems of our world has ever faced. Their Generation Z, born from 1995 onward, the latest generation made up of today's babies and children. This, gen this year sees two important milestones for the Zs because the oldest of the generation are becoming teenagers and this year's prep students for graduating in 2020. That's when most of them will graduate. But even though some Gen Z children have not been born yet, Experts can predict their key traits by understanding their childhood and the challenges that they're going to face. Gen Z had easily adapted to the challenges of the modern world, including technology, terrorism, and climate change. And finally, the individual said they have never known a life without the internet let alone computers, and many don't know a world without mobile phones. This is Gen Z, raised up with a mobile phone, raised up with a computer, raised up accessing the World Wide Web. This is Gen Z, the generation that's afoot. Praise the Lord. Now, Gen Z is the fourth generation actually from the baby boomers. You have the baby boomers and you have X generation, Y generation, and Z is the fourth. I just described generation Z. Now, I want you to know that God has a way of making sure because of the word generation, the Lord wants to find a way to facilitate his will within humanity. So praise the Lord. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6 and 6 and just to show you uh, a little bit of enlightenment of some of God's strategies of how the Lord wants to deal with generations. Praise the Lord. Remember what I told you now. The Lord don't want to take away the choices, but at the same time, God wants to implement his will. In the process. Praise the Lord. So in Deuteronomy 6 and 6 it says. This is an instruction that the Lord gave to Moses. As the leader of his people. But this instruction was specific. When it comes to dealing with the generations. And it says in these words which I commanded thee this day. In other words, the Lord gave him a command surrounding this. It was not, when the Lord commands you to do something, he means it. He told Adam, he commanded him not to touch the tree. When God commands you, when the Lord gives you the ten commandments, he means for you to take note of what I'm saying. And so he said, Moses, I'm not just giving you an instruction for a sermon for you to preach, but I want you to take note of what I'm just saying. And the Lord says, I'm commanding thee this day shall be in thine heart. Not only the commandment that I'm issuing, I want it to be on your heart. I want it to get inside of you as the leader of this people so that you can fully uh, be able to uh, uh, implement what I want. So in the seventh verse, it says, and thou shall teach them. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Now, he didn't give him a sermon for the adults. He didn't give him a sermon for the older people or the mid-age. But the Lord gave him an instruction that was specific to the new 
generation that was coming. And he said, Moses, I'm commanding you that you tell them, Israel, to teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. In other words, this generation that's coming, you need to stay in close contact with that generation. Don't get so caught up with your deliverance from Egypt and that you cross the Red Sea now and you're celebrating the new edifice. But I'm commanding you Take note. Be diligent about the new generation that's coming. Teach them. Teach them. Don't let Generation Z get by. They have access to the internet. They have access to the World Wide Web. They have access to cell phones. But don't let the generation get by. Stay close. Don't be afraid of them because you can't use the computer like your daughter or son, but stay around. Baby, how, how you doing that? Be diligent. He said, when you go and in, I see this was not an instruction that had to do with the sermon and had to do with the people. This had to do with an instruction of how the, the, they were to handle the new generation. Be diligent. Stay close when you're in the house with them, when you're walking down the street with them. Don't ignore them. Oh, shut up, boy. I'm on my way to church. I ain't got time to hear you. He said, when you're on the way, be diligent. You hear him saying something? What does that mean? What did you just say? I thought, well, now translate. I don't. See, you are from another generation. Sometimes you say, break that down. Uh, can you? Don't be, don't be scared now. The Lord said, be diligent. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to learn from them. Because they're the, the, the generation that's exposed to the information's age. They have more knowledge and more access to more that's going to come than any of us ever will in any of our generations. So stay close. Be diligent. Hallelujah. Most of us are baby boomers. So stay close, baby boomers. Be diligent. Just because you don't know what they know, every now and then ask them, what's that on that weed machine? You so busy shouting and dancing and whoo, praising the Lord. No, every now and then, now what, what is that now? You, you said that's a play what? Station? Maybe mommy don't hurt every now and then for you to get down, sit down and play. Now, just show me how that work. The Lord said, be diligent. Teach them when they're in the house, when you're walking in the way. Don't ignore them and say, well, you know, we just don't understand them. You know, see, my mama, she brought me up a little different. Just because you have difference does not mean that you cannot embrace the relevance of that generation. You know why God wants you to embrace it? God wants you to embrace it because he embraces it. He wants to know what is it about this generation. Is you going to know not God? Who are you? Where are you? I'm going to stay close. He stayed close to Noah's generation to the point that he completely decided to destroy them. Hallelujah. So what the Lord is really saying is basically the Lord wants you to influence the storyline of the next generation. Generation Gen Z, they're being influenced by the Internet, computers, the Wii stations, the PlayStations, the friends, you know, the, the peers, the street. Not you. It's what they're in front of all the time. So what we have to do, hallelujah, is influence the storyline. 
Now, this young people is a little more graphically oriented. They're learning Ability is more graphic and visual. You know, that's why everything is bouncing all across the computer screen and they can see everything graphic. And they got, you see so many of them with e things in their ears. They're more audio in learning. So they can learn a lot through the audio side and through the video side, the graphic side. So what the Lord was telling Israel to do is to tell that generation your testimonies. When you're in the way, tell them what I did for you along the way. See, don't forget what I did for you. See, the one thing we forget to do to spread the gospel to your house is you don't tell your testimony. You've been through it, but you've gotten older now. Well, I forgot how the Lord healed me. Well, that was a long time ago when God healed Grandma. Oh, well, that was a long time ago when I didn't have no food and yet put the pots on there and just put them in the bowl and by faith God was going to do it. And Mother so-and-so brought me some groceries by. See, we, we forget what you've been through. But see, this we generation, this Z generation, they're more visual, so... You got to tell them something that's exciting. You got to tell them something that, that, that you know, some of them stories in your life that, that, that impressed you. You got to pull out some of them testimony about your healing. Well, baby, let me just tell you something. But see, you got to catch them when they're young. See, this is the Z generation. They are, they're young. Catch them when their minds are pliable. God said, be diligent. Teach them their minds are influential. Get a hold of them now. Don't let them grow up with computers and internet and the World Wide Web and you never embed nothing in their minds. Clap your hands and say yes. Embed something in their minds. Praise the Lord. And so if you look at the baby boomers, the older generation preceding the baby boomers, they did a very good job with in influencing our storyline. I'm going to show you how. Because most of us that are baby boomers, and y'all know who you are. I ain't got, I ain't got to point you out. Nothing, no prophecy. Like, y'all done read enough. Praise the Lord. Those of you that are baby boomers, you know that the older generation preceding you, they made sure they instilled the spirituality about your God into you when you were young. Am I right about a pastor? Somebody prayed for you. Now, I have to admit, somebody prayed for me. Somebody labored on my behalf. I didn't just get here. Yeah, I've been preaching 34 years. I've written seven books and all. But before all that, somebody intervened. Somebody was diligent. Somebody, boy, come on. Boy, sit down. No, make sure somebody intervened diligently in my life. And so, praise the Lord, my mother, she would tell me testimonies. She said, baby, there was an older man called Bishop C.H. Mason, and I was only five years old. She would tell me about it. There was the old people in the South. They had droughts, and it couldn't rain. And they called for this older bishop in the Church of God in Christ, and it wouldn't rain for almost 30 days, and people were dying. And they would call for him, and he just he came on the train, and he just bowed his head and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And baby, all of a sudden, there was rain. It was the testimony of my mother to me that influenced me to be a historian in the Church of God in Christ. See, some of them wonder why we're here. You know, we, we know, you know you're a historian and we see your work, but you don't know where it started. Mama was diligent. And that testimony caught my attention. It was graphic. I said, whoa, you mean a man God uses? A man like that? Maybe I may want to learn how to pray. Clap your hands and say yes. See, you got to tell them the testimonies. You got to tell them. If you don't tell the testimonies, how are they going to know? You holding it back. Well, I done already made it how I got over. I done made it so forget that. I don't need to tell nobody nothing. And all them testimonies is on the inside of you. And God is saying, get it out. I command you this day. Because this generation that's coming, that's afoot, they need you to share graphically what happened. 
Now, and now y'all looking at me like I'm funny as if y'all don't understand what I'm talking about. Ain't nobody had no miracles in their life. Ain't nobody been healed. Ain't nobody been saved. Ain't nobody been delivered. Ain't nobody seen the hand of God reach out in your life, grandma's life, and grandpa's life. Clap your hands and say yes. Do you got a testimony, Cathedral thing, that you can download into Generation Z. Hallelujah. Download a testimony into Generation Z. But you got to take the time to do it. If you don't take the time to do it, they ain't going to get it. I'm going to leave that long pass. I'm closing now. I'm closing. I'm closing. It's Sunday night. I'm closing now. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. First Samuel 17, 12. Do y'all want to hear it? It's up to you. I mean, I can, we can close now. I'm good. All right. <laughs> I, I'm good. Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, if I don't have no room to work, you know, hey, thank the Lord. <laughs> Do y'all want to hear it, Cathedral Faith? Let's go to 1 Samuel 17 and 12. 1 Samuel 17 and 12. Uh, in my understanding from the academic level, every four generations, if you study the pattern of generations, you can go to Wikipedia and look it up. It'll show you patterns through all generations. There's about four patterns Usually there's population booms every four generations. And they called us the baby boomers in the U.S. and Europe. Okay? Now, if you go back to the Bible, there was a baby boom too with Israel. And during the time after Joseph died, there rose a Pharaoh that knew not God and said there's a baby boomer generation with Israel and I gotta stop the boom oh well let me leave it alone I won't, I won't okay I won't go there but I'm saying every four years there's a population explosion within the confines of a generation now the fourth generation preceding the boom there's usually his, there's usually heroic people that rise up or people that either God uses or Society uses or, you know, they just do exploits, just do stuff that just blows the mind of society. Like, what in the world? You mean Martin Luther King, he did that? I mean, when you look back, can you believe that a black man did that? He rose up in the Z generation, proceeding for other generations. And it was about time for a hero. Hallelujah. John F. Kennedy rose up in that generation. Y'all understand what I'm saying? All right, now, there was Boaz, Onan. You know how the Bible talks. When it talks about his people, he relates to the generational genealogy of a man. And he says, and it was Boaz, and then it was Onan. Boaz interacted with Ruth, and they had Onan, and Onan had who? Jesse. And then Jesse had who? David. David was born in the Z generation, the heroic generation, the time that God, as it says in uh, the book of Chronicles, when the Lord said, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to find, to show himself strong on behalf of someone whose heart is perfect toward him. I'm looking for somebody within the generation. Who is it? Who is that hero? Oh, okay. And so a lot of us, when we think about David, we think about 
all that David did. But what I want to enlighten you is, David had a father that respected the commandment of Moses. And when he was on bended knee, he would share stories and testimonies with his baby boy, David. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17 and 12, it says, it reads about Jesse. It says, now David was the son of that Ephraite. Of that Ephraite. It's, it, it's, it's signaling him out. That Ephraite. And it said, the binge of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And the Bible said he had eight sons, and the men went among the men for an old man in the days of Saul. The only thing they really said about Jesse is he was old. The man of the famous son, David. But now in Isaiah 11 and 1, let me show you the significance of the power of God's mind in the lens of generation. In Isaiah 11 and 1, it says, and there shall come forth a root out of the stem of David. Let's go to Isaiah 11 and 1. It said, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of who? Now, nah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, this may be heal uh, chapter 11 and 1. I, I may have worked this in, you see. Isaiah 11 and 1, what does it say? It says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of who? You know why? Because Jesse was significant. He was of the generation that honored diligently in the way to feed graphic testimonies in the mind of this baby boy about the deliverance of his God. He had gotten too old to get out there and fight. So when the baby boy David was sit by, he sat there and shared his testimonies. And David sat there, got a little graphic, Pastor Mama. Papa, you mean? And that happened. And you mean you can be a, a shepherd? What was a poor man's occupation in that day? You could be a shepherd? And my great, 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 great uncle Moses was just had a weak shepherd occupation and one rod of a shepherd. But he had the power to put down the biggest kingdom in the world. Daddy, are you sure? And then his daddy said, son, I want you to learn something. See, your mind is a little graphic. Go out there to them sheep and be a shepherd. What? What, what, Daddy, why are you sending me out there to be amongst them dirty sheep? But see, I want you to learn. See, his daddy, wanted, he knew what he was doing. I want you to learn that a shepherd has the power with a rod and hit one God and one rod to defeat anything. That comes against the sheep. Clap your hands and say yes. No, nobody wants to talk about Jesse. But even it says, the stem of Jesse, and I'm closing, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And it goes on to talk about God even wanted Jesus to be connected with the root of Jesse. It said Jesus was connected with the root of Jesse. Why? Because within the generation, Jesus down the road, after the fourth, 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 he had to step up and be the hero in Jesse's lineage. Clap your hands and say yes. God knew it was coming. And so when it started with the story of Jesus, it says in the generation, in the genealogy, of Abraham and to Noah and on and on. And it goes on to David and it goes on and Jesse and et cetera, et cetera. And then it gets, and now Jesus. He was in generation Z. 
and his, it's time for a hero. Somebody, God is going to use a parent to embed the graphic knowledge of a powerful testimony in their mind when they're young. Clap your hands and say yes. So there were four things that were at the cornerstone of David's testimony, and I'm going to rip through them real quick. One was, Jesse told David when he was a boy about the legendary lyrical musical ability of his latter generations. And he went on back when he had the boy on his bended knee and said, boy, let me tell you about something. There was a story when we had church at the Red Sea and the enemy was all around your people, your, your people, your genealogy. And he said, and your great, 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 great aunt, after God had gave us deliverance, and the shepherd with the rod, who was Moses, a shepherd overthrew the power of Egypt with the hand. With one, he said, he said, Lord, what must I do? God, look at the people there. They're worried. God, they're seizing from them. What must I do? And God said, stretch forth your rod. And Moses stretched forth his rod and the sea backed up a shepherd's rod. There's power, son, in the rod. Don't demean what's in your hand. Sometimes we got stuff in our hands and we just throw it away as if it doesn't mean anything. But God said, don't demean what's in your hand. Boy, take this rod and tend them sheep. But he did it with a command in it. He did it with power because daddy knew the power of the one God and the one rod. And when David went out there and the bear came, and the lion came, David was in generation Z. And so it was so graphic in his mind what was done with the rod that when the bear came up on him, he grabbed the bear and went into Genesis where Paul Paul Adam had power over the animals. You can't overthrow me with God. You're going to die messing with my sheep. Got power over there. We named you. Is your name lying? I'm gonna break your head open. I know your name. And my relatives got power with the God of heaven. Clap your hands and say yes. And so with the musical ability, he said, Mary, I'm your great, 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 great auntie. She was at the Red Sea and she grabbed the tamarind and she just started playing. See, there was music in your family. Hallelujah. Do you remember mama when she come in the church and you just in the storefront church pastor and mama would play that tamarind and that beat would be so good. I don't know about y'all, but I remember the old days. I remember when they would beat that tamarind so, brother, I'll be a block away. I'll be running so I could get my Lord. The beat that they got is better than when I'm in the straight. Let me get in there. Whoa, I need that step. Oh, mama's a lyricist. Y'all looking at them old women up here singing tonight. Oh, what they doing? They don't sound my turn. But God can use what's in the past to help the future. God knows what he's doing. And so David, from the story of Miriam, and if you look at Moses, he said, you're great, 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 great. Uncle Moses, yeah, he was a great shepherd and all that. But if you look at Deuteronomy 32 and 1, it talked about how that those are called the songs of Moses. He was a lyricist. We talk about the rod. We talk about the deliverance of Israel. But Moses was a songster. He was a, he was a worship. Oh, let me leave. He, oh, my God. He was a music. And so you wonder why David was so inundated with music. You wonder why David was such a lyricist and a psalmist. He could sing so like his former generation that he could almost walk into heaven. 
talking the things of God. Oh, let me leave that alone. Let me leave it alone now. So I already covered that about the rod. The shepherd's rod. Now, the other thing that his father expounded on, 10 more minutes, Pastor, I'll be closing for sure. The other thing was, he told him the secret of his family about the wealth of obedience. And so what happened was when Saul came to David and he said, well, David said, let me deal with this uncircumcised Philistine. Okay. So what he did was after, even before he did it, the Bible says, and you can read it on your own, it's in there, 17th chapter. The Bible says that David asked, now what do I get if I slay this uncircumcised Philistine? Do you know why he asked that question? Because prosperity was in his generation. Because when Moses left Egypt, he left with the wealth of Egypt. And so David said, if I do this, what am I going to get? See, some of y'all got prosperity coming to you, but you don't recognize the fact that it's yours. You don't recognize that what mama prayed for is about to happen in you, but you haven't pulled back enough spiritually to recognize it. David recognized the wealth of his generations. I don't do nothing for nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing if I do it. He said to Saul, what do I get? Matter of fact, look at this negotiating. He's negotiating up front. He ain't even waiting until the king called him. He said, now king, if in the contract, if I do this, what is the stipulations? Because he recognized that wealth is a part of his family. See, some of y'all got wealth coming. So y'all don't see what I'm saying. It's prophetic what I'm saying. Some of y'all got some wealth that's about to come to your house. That's going to bless this man of God. Some of y'all got some business opportunities. The devil's been holding it up. Satan's been fighting you. And every time you get the right opportunity, that enemy comes in with another business partner to circumvent. But I come to tell you the devil is a liar. I come to tell you that wealth is in your generation. And you got to recognize that it's mine. Stop giving up all your creativity. Stop giving away all your business ideas. Stop giving up everything and be like David and say, wait a minute. If you become my business partner, I want you to sign a non-disclosure, non-compete agreement so that you won't take what I give you first and then I'll talk to you afterwards. Clap your hands and say yes. I'm closing now. Last point. I'm closing. Hallelujah. These are some of the points. Music, and I didn't even touch on that, and I'm not even going to go there because we don't have space and time to do it. But y'all remember about David in, uh, in that passage of Scripture. Praise the Lord. Look at it. 1 Samuel 16, 16. Let's just read it because I want you to get it. 1 Samuel 16, 16. My last point is coming after this Scripture. 1 Samuel 16 and 16, but I don't want you to miss it. It says, seek out a man. That's what the king says. It says, seek out, somebody read it for me real loud. 1 Samuel 16, 16, whoever has it. If you can read it loud, if not, I'll do it. All right. It says, you got it? Somebody got it? Can you read it for me? You don't have it? Yeah. which are before thee, to seek out a man, out a man. Uh -huh. who is a cunning player on a harp. Uh -huh. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shall be well. He said, seek out a man. That's a lyricist. Seek out a man that has an anointing in music and psalmistry. And the Bible went on to say in 18 verse, and what is it saying? Uh, the next verse, and Saul said unto his servant, provide me now a man that, that can play well and bring him to me, uh -huh. 
Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse. I've seen a son of who? Of Jesse. I've seen a son of who? Jesse. I've seen a son of who? Jesse. I've seen a son of who? Jesse. Okay. You see, this is how David first got brought on the political scene. It didn't even have to do with politics, Pastor. It was just the anointing that he had. His anointing made room for him. Like the Bible says, your gift will push back and make room for you. Some of y'all wonder, how did I get here in the pulpit tonight? My, oh, well, let me leave it alone. And knowing your pastor, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the last point, let's go to Judges 2016, and this is it. Because nah, I can't give y'all no more. We'll never be able to go through it all. Last point, the last secret that is Father. Let's go over those points. One was recognizing your wealth of your generation. Number two, recognizing the fact that the one God in the, whatever God puts in your hand as a shepherd, that he has the power to overcome anything with the God of his life. And uh, the next was his musical background and psalmistry and worship. Like the, the spirit of worship is in this house. The reason why? Because your pastor is a worshiper. Y'all get what I'm saying? This man is a worshiper. He's got the lyricists inside. Praise the Lord. And it's gotten contagious. And so other people, when they get around, they want to worship the Lord at cathedral. So our last point is in Judges 20 and 16. Judges 20 and 16. You have that? Anybody have it? 20 and 16. You got it, Pastor? You all right? Okay. I want you to read it, though. Judges 20 and 16. You want me to get it? Okay. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Every one could sling stones at an hair breath and not miss. And the men of Israel beside Benjamin were numbered 400,000 men that... Oh, in other words, in the latter generation of David, his generation... See, Jesse was a Benjamite. This scripture speaks about the genealogical history of the Benjamites. The Benjamites were all left-handed, born left-handers. But they had the ability to take a sling. And they could hit a man from three football fields away and kill him. So Papa sent David down and said, David, I want to tell you about the secret of your family. Some of y'all think David just jumped up and used the sling. Oh, no. David had some history pastor behind his sling. When the king said, oh, well, now. Why don't you just put on this armor, David? This is my armor. If you're going to defeat him, you got to have what I got. David said, no, no. I don't need it. If you read, it says, hey, give me my sling and my, and my shepherd's rod. Read it. It'll say all that. And he took the rod of the shepherd. He took the slingshot. And the Bible said he went to the brook and got five smooth stones. See, some folk taking you out of your game. That's the reason why you can't get your riches because when you start off with the right idea, they tell you, well, I don't think that's the way you ought to do it. Why don't you do it like this? And then you go and do it their way, put on their armor, then you can't go on and dump 100000 in the pastor's ministry because the devil done circumvented you because they took you out of your game. But David, he said, you might be the king. But you can't take me out of the game of my lineage. He said, sorry, sir. I haven't proved this. But in his historicity of Jesse, Jesse told him what was proven in his family. He said, all the left-handers, Benjamites went to battle. And when the Ben, I'm talking about your people, your uncle, your great-great, when they go into battle, everybody's defeated. 
The Benjamites walked back to Benjamite. All left-handers. So when Goliath stood up, and they began to tell him, he said, you just a boy, won't you get out of here? Who do you think you are? Coming against me with a slingshot. And David, he wasn't frightened at Goliath. He just stood there with his slingshot and he distanced himself and closed it in like the Benjamites do. He said, let me back up. He said, I see you're backing up a little bit. He said, you must be scared. He said, no, I'm just closing you out. I'm just getting enough distance like the Benjamites. I'm just winding it up. Goliath said, what you doing? That ain't nothing. I ain't never seen nobody fight like this. But he said, that's all right. You can't take me out of my game. And he began to wind it up. He wound it up. And all of a sudden, he let that sling go. And the Bible says it hit Goliath square in his forehead and killed him dead. Clap your hands and say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. So don't forget Generation Z. Don't forget to talk to them with the PlayStations. Don't forget to talk to them young people with earpieces in their hand and say, baby, what you're listening to? Every now and then, well, won't you listen to this song? I got some.